You're listening to Wonderland, Episode 9, Who's Alice? Welcome back to another episode of Wonderland, the unofficial podcast for ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Jenny. And I'm Aaron. And as you may be able to tell, things sound a bit different because we're out for the holiday of Thanksgiving in the United States of America, and the recording setup is quite different. So the quality is going to be a little bit different, but we're still bringing this content to you and for you to enjoy. And just a little announcement before you start planning your Thanksgiving around an episode of Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. There is going to be no episode of Once Upon a Time in Wonderland the last Thursday in November. So no podcast for that episode. There won't be an episode of the TV show that Thursday. Enjoy the time with your family if you have that time available. But let's get into talking about this episode Who's Alice? And let me be a little honest up front. I feel like this episode had some good spots and some bad spots. I really, really did not like the whole Bor Borough Grove thing. <laughs> I hated that. Did you feel like it was sort of fillerish? Oh yeah. Yeah, a lot filler. And I just felt like we were there for too long. It was a bit unnecessary. It was nice to see Alice happy, but she was happy for a long time. <laughs> yeah. It was a lot of time spent away from their mission. Overall, what did you think of it, though, Erin? I agree that, that that part was kind of long. I do see what they were trying to do. Like, they were trying to tie it in with the flashback and get it across to us that she is unhappy and that she's kind of always been unhappy and kind of searching for a place. But... um. I felt that it could have been summed up a little bit quicker and it was a clever way to reunite her and Will, but they could have done that in other ways as well. <laughs> well, let's get into talking about this episode and let's split it up a little bit with the worlds. So let's first talk about past London. It says one year ago, which matches up with what we know about Once Upon a Time in Wonderland because the Dr. Lydgate had said to Alice, when your father brought you to us a year ago, or that came up in the conversation that she'd been there for a year. And when she popped through that hole, did she seem a little bit surprised to you guys that she was there? Absolutely. She did seem surprised. I'm wondering how she got portaled back to London without her knowing, like without her consent or why did it surprise her? I also noticed that she's wearing the same thing that she was wearing when Cyrus was pushed off the cliff. So it could have been that right after that, maybe Red Queen said, off with you, pushed her through the rabbit hole. I don't know. Yeah, that's possible. She might have been wearing that for a long time. She's still wearing the same outfit now that she was wearing in the first, like, present day. So Yeah, that's true. <laughs> maybe at this point... The, the Red Queen had uh, the White Rabbit working for her. So maybe she got him to dig a hole and push Alice yeah. through. Yeah, hmm. that's a good theory, too. Yeah, that's a good idea. But in London time, or at least fictional London time, a lot of time has passed since the last time Alice was there. Because her father, whom we now know is named Edwin, 
had said something about all these years. And Millie looked to be, what, nine years old? Eight years old? Yeah, that's what I would say. So she was gone then for at least that. Probably more like 10 years, Mm -hmm. maybe. Adventuring with Cyrus. Yeah, traveling to different worlds, perhaps. And that's 10 years fictional London time. Not necessarily 10 years Wonderland time or 10 years our time. Mm -hmm. Which, if fictional London is its own world... I would be okay, perfectly okay with time going by much faster there, but it's a world that's locked in a certain time zone or a certain time period. So if they want to tell Sherlock Holmes stories or uh, other England-based fairy tales or stories, then this fictional London is a good place to do that where it is always locked in this kind of time period, but time moves a lot differently there. Yeah, I'm still a little off about the timeline and everything. (laughs) One of the things I noticed in this first scene when we meet Millie is when her parents meet her, they say something about, uh, you know what we've said about running off. I wonder what they have said. And whom do you think inspired those warnings? (laughs) Yeah, good thought. (laughs) It didn't seem like Sarah was hearing about Alice for the first time. So I'm sure that Mm -hmm. uh, Edwin had told her that story and what had happened. So... I'm sure that from hearing that, she would be more protective of her daughter, and Mm -hmm. Edwin would definitely be overprotective of her if Alice had just disappeared, or multiple disappearances, I guess, is what they had said in the pilot episode. Yeah, and I noticed that Sarah wasn't very welcoming. She was very eager to clarify to Millie that Alice is her half-sister. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's like Sarah doesn't want Alice to be around. Or, or, well, you know, any stepmother, (laughs) not any, sorry, let me take that back. In movies and in fairy tales, it seems like the stepmother is always the evil one or the one who doesn't want the stepchild around and wants to get the stepchild removed. I think part of that would definitely be protecting Millie, though, if she does think it's kind of like what the didn't somebody say in this episode, nobody wants to go to asylums because they're afraid they'll catch something. (laughs) So they're probably afraid of the influence Alice could have on Millie and they don't want to lose her. So I kind of understand that. But at the same time, she was being a little bit unwelcoming as well. Speaking of this kind of who wants whom to be around, do you think Alice's father really wanted her to be around? Because if you watch when she asks him that question and he reaches out to touch her, they show his hand touching her, but it's just barely touching her. It's kind of like the, I want to touch you, but I don't. Perhaps it's kind of like Will and that he doesn't want to revisit those feelings again because maybe he's remembering how how much it hurt to lose her. And if she leaves again, it'll hurt again. So maybe he's just hesitant to get too involved with her. Hmm. So he's wanting to keep her at a distance, maybe. Yeah, I could see that because it would certainly tie in with the rest of the story that they're telling in this episode. I think, too, that Alice has been in and out multiple times from his life. And every time he's probably felt like he's lost her. And then every time she comes back, it's like too good to be true. And then she leaves again. So... Just from the wording um, of episodes, and we know we know for sure she returned once as a child, and then we know that when she ran into Cyrus and she was looking for the rabbit as proof, she's an adult. So 
how many times she's been back and forth, it's probably just like he doesn't want to get too attached because he knows she's probably not going to be there for very long. Yeah. And she she ends up leaving again later on in the future. <laughs> she just will not stay put. I noticed a lost reference. Oh? Yeah, this they did the uh, the eye thing again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they love that one. Like, um, at the beginning of that scene, when we see Alice's eye, she's looking through the keyhole. That's a lost reference. Oh, yes, yeah. She also did that when she was a little girl, I think, when she first returned. Didn't she? Yeah. Yeah, that's when she saw Dr. Lidgate and her father speaking together mm-hmm. back then. Right. Yeah, and they, they were talking about she's lying. And Speaking of references, I loved the Jane Austen reference. I mean, wait, let me back up. It was cool to see a Jane Austen reference because I'm, I never read any Jane Austen books. And Mr. Darcy was in a Jane Austen book, right? I think you know he was. Okay. Well, I had this moment that I just suddenly thought, wait a minute, that was Jane Austen, right? Because I haven't even read Jane Austen books. But I know about Mr. Darcy because I married a woman. And <laughs> all women know about Mr. Darcy. <laughs> <laughs> and I had a sister and I had a mother. So I ha- have heard about Mr. Darcy from many people. <laughs> And it was cool then to have that little reference in here. And that's one of those kinds of things that is the fictional London tie-in with this, that then that places the Darcy family story, I assume, in this fictional London as opposed to literal London. I have never read Jane Austen, so I have no idea what that is from. (laughs) Was it Little Women or Sense and Sensibility? It was neither. Oh. It was Pride and Prejudice. Oh. Oh. (laughs) going to say if it was little women i should know it but i didn't know that was jane austen all the guys still respect me because i didn't even know what book it was from (laughs) okay (laughs) so pride and prejudice reference and and speaking of books i love that he said that the asylum is not like it is in the books the place is very nice very modern (laughs) he's probably been talking to sarah yes (laughs) who's been Telling him that she's painting all this weirdness in a very happy light. Yeah. Like she's, she's kind of his own personal burrow grove. And she says, <laughs> everything's going to be fine. She's going to be happy. She's such a wise girl for checking into the nut house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's true though. <laughs> I mean, the, the tie-in. Yeah. That's good tie-in yeah. with the burrow grove. Yeah. That is true. She's clouding his judgment. So we've talked before about who is this other person that Alice loves that Jafar would want to bring back. And from this past, we see then, I think, two possibilities, Millie and Edwin, Alice's father. But from these flashbacks, I think that the person she loves is still her father, because even when Alice left, her father said, I have to think about Millie. He didn't say, you think about Millie. And Alice didn't say, I'm going to do this for Millie. But she was doing it for her father. That's true. So I think her father is the one that she loves. Well, that's a hurt relationship. Like, they've never had a great relationship. Just think back to when she said, you were sad my entire childhood. That would suck. Mm. So their relationship is full of sadness and regret and hurt and pain 
Whereas Millie would be the other possibility because their relationship is, yeah, it's new, but Millie. You're saying relationship between Alice and Millie? Yes. Like Millie would be a likely candidate for Jafar to take back to Wonderland because Millie and Alice seemed to get along pretty well and they hadn't had anything to mess up their relationship yet, except for people interfering. Yeah. And the last thing that Alice saw of her home before she went off to the asylum was her mother, I mean, her mother-in-law, no, her stepmother and her father showing affection to Millie. And that makes me think that there might be some sort of jealousy that Alice might have felt toward Millie, because here Millie is receiving the affection from her father that Alice wanted for so long. Mm -hmm. Even the Red Queen said, I remember a little girl, or you're that same little girl who came looking for the love of her father. Yeah, she's been fighting for that her entire life. Like she's been fighting to, to prove something to her dad. She's been fighting to win her dad's affections. Like she, she learned an entire piece of music in a very short time for her dad. She's done so much for him. So it's just, it's sad. That whole relationship is really sad. It is really sad. And it makes me feel like if Jafar brings back her father, it could backfire on him just because of the last conversation Alice had with her dad, where she said, me, you should believe in me. And that's kind of like the final letdown is she's returned. She's trying everything to please him. And he Mm -hmm. still won't believe her he still just thinks that she made everything up but also if he does bring him back then he will suddenly be forced to believe everything she's been saying because it'll be right there in front of him and it would be tragic to lose him at the moment he believes her that's that's true too (laughs) (laughs) now before we move on to talking about present london since we're right on the edge here talking about jafar and such Erin, you'd caught some fine little details of this past London story that I'd love for you to bring out. I remember a comment about the flowers at the table that Alice said um, she really liked the flowers and her stepmother corrected her and said they're dahlias. So I just looked up whether there was any symbolism to those flowers and it says that they range in meaning, but they're definitely a sign of warning of change, of travel, or even of betrayal. So it makes the flower a wild card. Yeah, I just thought that that was really showing because the last part of it is that it says the message is temper your adventures with a kind heart. And uh, that just reminds me of the whole Alice in Wonderland and she's having adventures, but nobody's kind of believing her. So I thought that that was interesting and probably intentional because it was so clear that she corrected Alice. Oh, and speaking of little hidden references, her father's name, we didn't learn until right near the end of this episode. And whenever they hold something from us like that and then give it to us, it makes me think that there's something important to the name. So I looked up a connection between the name Edwin and Alice in Wonderland, and I found an interesting connection with an actual historical character, which was, there's actually a connection with a literal Edwin. It is Edwin, the Earl of Mercia. He died in 1071, and he was the elder brother of Morcar, Earl of Northumbria. And I was thinking that 
this is definitely a connection because, get this, Edwin was portrayed in a TV drama, but he's also mentioned in Alice's Adventures in Wonderland when the mouse attempts to dry itself and other characters by reciting a dry example of English history, <laughs> referring to Edwin. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, awesome. <laughs> I don't know if that's the actual connection they were trying to make for us, but that stood out to me right away that, hey, Edwin, this particular Edwin was mentioned in uh, Alice in Wonderland. I wonder if the creators and writers just go through Alice in Wonderland and write a list of every single name that is said just so that we have these connections. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised, but... Right before we move on, Erin, you had one other thing you wanted to say? I just had a little bit of a rant about Alice's mother, stepmother, and father. Um, I I just find it annoying that they they just they always say it's it's not real wherever you've been, it's not real, these people aren't real. So I just wonder where they possibly think that she could have been. If she has been gone for years, she's obviously been clothed and well fed. And not sitting in the garden huddled there for years just imagining this. Like, she obviously hasn't been dreaming or sleeping. So even if they don't believe, you know, that Cyrus is a genie and that she was in this place called Wonderland, they have to at least know somehow that she's been with people or had some interaction with people. So it just makes me wonder where where what their story is on where she has been because she couldn't have just been you know sitting around daydreaming for 10 years yeah her father said that cyrus wasn't even real right yeah so, like, and he could just be explain? some guy that she met in london <laughs> even if she is crazy right but i wonder how they try to reason in their minds the whole age difference from what they expect alice to look like because 10 years you'd think alice would look different yeah. So are you, do you mean that she maybe hasn't aged since the last time they saw her? I'm thinking she hasn't. Although it is possible because, well. Uh. She's also in that age bracket where it's just hard to decide how old they are. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. My thinking was maybe Alice went back down the rabbit hole while she was still a little girl, stayed in Wonderland for a long time, and grew up in Wonderland became the women that we see now, or maybe she kept going and coming several times and she would age in fictional London. And then at one point she went and that's when she met Cyrus and stayed there and fell in love with him. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm interested to know how the time works in Wonderland. <laughs> if it's different than we know, just because we know the red queen hasn't aged a whole lot and that she was that age when she met, Alice mm -hmm. as a little girl. So yeah, that is something that hasn't really been explained. So let's move on to present day England. We didn't really see a lot here, just Jafar popping in and then a couple of scenes, but there is still some interesting stuff to talk about here. Dr. Arthur Lydgate was taking pure laudanum in from the bottle, which <laughs> says in big <laughs> word, on it. Poison. Yeah, I saw that word and I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> That's the only word I saw and I was like, what is he doing? <laughs> but it it was actually used as a pain reliever. 
And especially if you mix it with other things, like uh, some people had thought maybe he was mixing it with absinthe and drinking it that way, which could be a pain reliever, a relaxer, some way that he's trying to forget Alice. And that really seems like what he's probably doing is that since he saw the white rabbit and everything. Well, yeah, he's, he even said when he saw the white rabbit, he said, I have tried so hard to forget. Yeah. And now he's even taking these medications for himself. Well, the doctor of the crazy house can't be crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly right. (laughs) He looked so hilarious, though, when he just, like, plastered himself against the back of the chair when the white rabbit was shown. (laughs) Yeah. He reminds me of the evil guy from Austin Powers. I don't even know his name. (laughs) Oh, yeah, the little guy. He makes me think of, oh, gosh, the bald guy from Despicable Me. A uh, Gru. Gru, oh, yes. Yeah. Makes me think of him. Would you like to buy... No, I can't do the accent. <laughs> but Jafar went to Dr. Lydgate and said he wanted to get into the mind of Alice. And here's where I, I'm going to ask some questions that we may not have answers to. But these are things that I've been thinking about. I think we can assume that the White Rabbit told Jafar about Alice's father. So Jafar came to fictional London looking for Alice's father, but he goes to Dr. Lydgate in order to find out more about Alice to get inside the head of Alice. Well, that would be a clearer picture of Alice because he's not in Alice's family. And so his perception of Alice would be vastly different from that of her father. Mm -hmm. And it's certainly possible that maybe... The White Rabbit did not tell about Alice's father, but Dr. Lydgate told. So my thinking here is, what what were Jafar's original intentions when he came? Who was he intending to see originally, like first? Or what kind of information did he then get from Dr. Lydgate? He probably got everything. Yeah, everything he needed. He did. <laughs> It doesn't seem like there's any confidentiality laws that he's worried about. Um, (laughs) As soon as he walks in and says, I'm a doctor, tell me everything. And he's like totally open for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Dr. Sheffield. So I think we can now, (laughs) I think we can now safely assume that Jafar knows everything there is to know about Alice. Because everything that she would have trusted her doctor with. I'm pretty sure she would have trusted everything to the doctor. She looked pretty defeated when she left. I think she wouldn't hold up anything back. Yeah, that's true. And it's the doctor's job, as Jafar said, to get into her head. So just doing his job, he would have asked lots and lots of questions. Do we think that perhaps the White Rabbit just said, you know, I don't really know anything else? Like, Because all he started saying was there is one person, right? That's kind of all we heard him say. Oh, right. Yeah. So he maybe said, like, there is one person who probably knows more. There's this doctor back at the asylum, blah, blah, blah. And maybe he's just trying to buy them time, the White mm-hmm. Rabbit. Yeah. And that he could have he could have easily said, that's where I got her when I found her. Yeah. And he told about what he knew of the asylum. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I could see that, too. Because if he told, if the White Rabbit told Jafar right then about Alice's father, then it makes me think, well, why didn't Jafar just go there first and straight to Alice's father and bring him straight back? Why this stop at Dr. Lydgate's unless he was led there? Maybe that rabbit gave 
Jafar both information about Alice's father and about Dr. Lydgate, but I wouldn't see the White Rabbit as giving that much information. Yeah, I think he's still trying to help Alice. I think he's, I mean, he, he definitely fears the people he's having to serve right now. So I think he would be hesitant to give them everything they want because as soon as he gives them everything they want, he knows he's probably going to die because he's, you know, useless at that point. Yeah. And what do you do with things that are useless? (laughs) (laughs) You throw them away. (laughs) So who do you think Jafar is actually bringing back now? I don't know. I, I would think it's her dad because there's more of a story there. Millie's innocent. And of course, Alice would try and save her from Jafar. But there's so much more there if Alice sees her dad again and he suddenly recognizes that she's true and he feels bad and then and then his life is threatened suddenly when he believes her that would that would just be a bigger story there so I think it'll be Alice's dad Edwin maybe he'll just make it a family affair and bring everyone (laughs) I don't think Alice would care about Sarah (laughs) no but (laughs) toss up between the dad and the sister I think it would be Edwin, Alice's father, that Jafar is bringing back because this brief little thing that we saw is that when Jafar went to their home, he said to Edwin, I can take you to Alice. So it makes me think that's what Jafar wants to do is take Edwin to Alice. It'll be interesting to see that response. Like, what if Edwin says, I don't really want to go. Jafar would probably say, well, guess what? You're going. (laughs) (laughs) Well... Edwin did seem a little bit interested. Yeah, interested and kind of hopeful. Mm. Not quite sure the word to describe it, but the way that he said Alice was kind of like another one of those times of, I thought she was gone and dead, but she's still alive. Mm -hmm. That kind of way that he expressed it. But then again, he's probably felt that many times before. I think he still has hope. Hope was, there was a quote on the the what's it borough borough yeah um, borough grove that was abandon all hope ye who enter or wait well, no, was, maybe that, that was, was the black the, forest yeah that yeah. was yeah. The, the black forest but i guess as long as you have that little tiny bit of hope there's still still something there that jafar can work with mm-hmm. so probably the next episode we're going to see And that episode will air in December, not on Thanksgiving Day in the United States. But for that episode, we'll probably see Alice's father in Wonderland. That's what I think we'll see. And, oh boy, what would his expression be? (laughs) His response to all of this? I think there would be a lot of, like, (laughs) open-mouthedness. Yeah. (laughs) I think it'll be like the expression when he sees Alice return for the first time when he thought that she was dead. It'll just be that face for the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) I bet he'll feel really bad. Like, I can't believe I didn't believe her. Hey, before we move on to talking about Wonderland, we'd love to give you the opportunity to support this podcast that we've launched alongside our regular Once Upon a Time podcast. And hosting another podcast does mean extra expenses. It means I had to upgrade some things, add a little more space to things, basically feeding the website hamsters some more dollar bills. So if you would love to support the website hamsters, or maybe it's little white rabbits that run our server, if you'd love to help out, we would love to 
have you as a supporter of the podcast. You can sign up for a one-time donation or an ongoing regular monthly donation of any amount starting at $10 and up per episode. And you can check that out at wonderlandpodcast.com slash sponsor. And we'd be really grateful for any level of support, really, because every little bit counts and it counts a lot toward helping us. So check that out at wonderlandpodcast.com slash sponsor. Now let's talk about Wonderland. And the old man got knocked around a bit by none other than the Red Queen with her one of her tweedles standing by. And the first thing that he said was, uh, one of the first things he said he of Cyrus, that he carries with him the greatest power of all, true, true love. love. And... That the old man knows about that, I think, gives us a little bit more of a glimpse into his background, that he somehow had experience with this magical power of true love that's at least in the Wonderland era. And as the Red Queen then goes after Cyrus, the uh, the Tweedle is kind of controlling a little bit, sure, telling the Queen what to do. I'm thinking that... The Red Queen is starting to look a little bit more and more like Anastasia. The more these episodes progress, the more she starts looking a little less queen-like. You know, I I noticed her outfit this time, and she's wearing her underwear, basically. (laughs) It's practically a whole other dress. (laughs) Yeah, but it's her underwear. It's her lace strings are showing on her sleeves, and, you know, she's wearing tights. They aren't pants. So it's just, it's her underwear, I think. And that's why the Tweedle said, this outfit is not befitting of a queen. She's basically running around in her red underwear. <laughs> Which apparently they do a lot in Wonderland. <laughs> you know, this this wouldn't bother a peasant, because those underwears are probably finer than anything that a peasant would wear. So I, I think that's why... It didn't bother Red Queen to be running around in her underwear. <laughs> See, I loved her outfit, and I thought it reminded me of um, not Snow White when she's a thief, but the white outfit that Snow White wears in Once Upon a Time. It's very mm. similar to that outfit, only red. And it's more mm. kind of, I'm a woman, but I can kick butt because I'm not wearing a ridiculous giant red dress <laughs> all the time. Yeah. A woman can't track a genie in Gigantic dress. <laughs> I didn't notice the lace strings and stuff, though. So yeah, it was it, it, very quick, the shots like, of the outfit. Yeah, it looks like underclothes to me. <laughs> the Red Queen's motivation was shared in this episode that she said that she wants to win this game. And she sees that by capturing Cyrus, capturing Alice, having the genie, all of this stuff. And she wants to get the upper hand against Jafar. This is turning into a bit more of a double crossing than I expected. They're both double crossing each other, both trying to double cross because he's got her rabbit. She's trying to get his genie and they're just trying to capture pieces in each other's game. And now that you mentioned the the, the Tweedle, the Tweedle now knows her entire plan. Yeah. So he's probably going to report that to Jafar and and he's, he's going to be mad at her and when she finds out that he's taken her bunny, then she's going to be mad at him. So it's just going to be, I anticipate, a really angry episode between the two of them. Yeah, and I do think that is the same Tweedle that, yeah, it, it's yeah the same Tweedle that Jafar yeah, has Jafar hired. Yeah, Jafar is an informant. The Tweedle like. did, though, seem 
I don't know if he seemed genuinely afraid of the Red Queen when she hit him and was talking, yelling at him, or if it was just kind of the shock of her hitting him that maybe that's never happened before. But he <laughs> did have an expression of, of I would say, fear on his face when she's yelling at him that, you know, doesn't matter what she wears or whatever she said. <laughs> Let's move on to the dark forest <laughs> with so many nice warning signs. Abandon all hope, ye who enter. Turn back, black forest, beware. I love beware. how she was talking to herself like, yeah. terrible waste of wood when one sign would do. <laughs> Endless night awaits. Enter your own risk. <laughs> and then at the end she said, I mean, is it really that bad? Yes. <laughs> and it looked like a puddle of darkness that she yeah. walked through. Like a mirror, kind of. I thought that was cool how they did that. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. I wouldn't want to go in there. It wasn't really that bad, though. It was. I guess maybe they're not out of the dark forest part yet, are they? Uh, Yeah, they are. Because when later when Will pulled her out, they're in just a regular area. So Uh, I think they're on the other side of the dark forest now. Cyrus can see her. Yeah. But I guess like Burrow Grove is kind of bad. But then there wasn't anything like dark in the dark forest part. Yeah, just I was expecting a l- attack animals or lions and tigers and bears or. Well, we heard animals. <laughs> yeah, lots of weird noises. I kind of wanted to see her in complete darkness, but then again, you wouldn't be able to see her yeah, at all in complete darkness. Black. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or they could have done something like that with just solid blackness. But then you wouldn't get to see the expressions on her face, mm-hmm. her fear of losing the light, and then her excitement of, oh, I knew I was almost all the way through. The Borough Grove. This, as I said earlier, bothered me because I felt like it was just an odd thing to put into the story. But it might also have some other connections with another story, and that is from... Is it through the looking glass? Yeah, that's the story of the carpenter and the walrus. 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 Yeah, it's through the looking glass. Yeah, tell us some more about that, Erin. There wasn't much that was really connected. I just wanted to look up whether the carpenter was a character. Um, and there's, it's a very long poem from the Through the Looking Glass book that Tweedledum and Tweedledee say to Alice. And it's the one about the walrus and the oysters. And whether pigs have wings. I don't think it's that one. No? Oh, yeah, it is. Sorry. Yeah, the time has come. The walrus said to talk of many things. Mm-hmm. So that, that that line is in it. But it's just kind of at the end, they decide they've not decide. They discover that they've eaten all the oysters and then they kind of go home. <laughs> <laughs> one interesting thing is the guys who work on Once Upon a Time and Once Upon a Time in Wonderland also worked on Lost. A big number in Lost is 108. It's the sum of 4, 8, 15, 16, 23, 42. Also, numbers important to Lost. And the number of lines, lines. in the story of the Wallace and the Carpenter is 108 <laughs> lines. Wow. <laughs> Probably not at all intentional. <laughs> Probably pure <laughs> circumstance or pure coincidence there. Maybe they're listening right now and going, huh. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I hope that's what's happening right now. <laughs> that carpenter freaked me out. Mm-hmm. I was thinking maybe he's the guy who cuts down all the trees after all the people turn into trees, but then he started turning into a tree. 
weird. Well, you know, I think you're onto something because I was also thinking, well, how did the carpenter get there in the first place? Why is he called the carpenter? Yeah, and he's inviting her to stay. But he became part of the forest himself, a victim. He's a victim himself. Yeah. So I'm wondering if maybe he came to the forest with the intention of cutting down all the trees, destroying the forest. Oh. But then he lost control. And, creepy. Yeah, succumbed to the the, the giant perfume. They just bubble. need like a heart box outside of the forest. Put your heart in here. <laughs> Check your hearts at the doors. <laughs> at the mirror. I didn't even think of that until right now. I had written down why is the nave not affected by the forest the same way as Alice, and then maybe it's because he doesn't have a heart. Heartless. Yeah. Actually, that's what he said yeah. after he went through. He said that's why the forest, the grove, didn't affect him. Mm-hmm. Oh, I totally missed that. I want to go to the scene where we see the knave, like, parched. <laughs> yeah. But he, he goes, and he, he's so thirsty. He's like, my head. And then he meets this guy on the road. And he asks him if he's ever been stoned. <laughs> like, completely turned into stone. And the guy... Like, he just says, sure, sure. And he gives him, like, a whole skin of water. So I'm wondering, was he just saying that to get rid of him because he's mm. weird? Or was he saying that because, oh, yeah, I've been through that, too, because this is Wonderland and that thing happens. <laughs> so it just makes me wonder if he's been turned into stone as well or if he's just... I think you know. he just thought that the knave was under the influence of some kind of... <laughs> caterpillar <laughs> thing that the caterpillar gave him and that's yeah. what he meant but um okay. maybe <laughs> it'd be funny if we found out that lots of people were turned into stone and it's just a regular occurrence i loved alice's action we're stepping back a little bit but her fighting action with the two guys i just love the fight scenes they she give us with care alice. Of herself. Yeah. yeah she can <laughs> cyrus can too cyrus is really clever like the whole thing that he did with the tracks yeah, at the water back- backwards and then the queen cheated to find him yeah, yeah and she was clever Cheater. too. cleverer but uh inside borough grove which the way i help remind myself how to pronounce it is remind myself how boring it was to see <laughs> borough grove <laughs> b-o-r-o by the way is how it's spelled oh, according to the subtitles and the who's alice title actually came from that. Mm -hmm. I thought the Who's Alice title would come from Alice's father, that when Jafar would go to uh, England and go see her father, that her father would say, who's Alice? Like he he would forget Alice or maybe that Jafar would make him forget Alice. And that's where the idea of who's Alice would come from. But no... It was actually Alice that said it inside of Borough Grove. Yeah. It was a little too convenient to me to see Alice just suddenly remember just by touching the necklace. But I can understand that they needed to speed it up in some way and get her out of there. Because she had been wearing the necklace. Why didn't the, the necklace not constantly remind her? But it wasn't touching her skin. Does it really need to touch her skin? It's just... Yeah, yeah that's true. Maybe this that's necklace has... New rules that we didn't know about. (laughs) Must touch your skin. It reminded me a little bit of in Once Upon a Time, first season, when Emma touched Henry's storybook when she had some 
little bit of level of belief. And then she had this flashback to suddenly remembering and connecting everything. And that's a little bit of what Alice had when she got it is suddenly this flashback. And now she remembers and knows everything that she was supposed to. Let's talk about Will. He said his heart was literally ripped out of his chest. Well, we've, we've thought, we believe that for a long time. Yeah. And now we know for certain. And who do you think did that? Cora. <laughs> Sorry. I think Cora did it too. People probably wonder, why do I talk about Cora so much? Because we really want Barbara Hershey to make an appearance in this TV show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I, I'm sure we will at some point. Maybe it will be the finale episode that they'll bring back Barbara Hershey and we'll get to see some of that. That'd be awesome. But he also never put his heart back. Again, that's another Cora thing. Cora ripped out her own heart and didn't put it back because she didn't want to have the feelings. And she didn't want to be influenced by the feelings. Yeah. And so, yeah, she wanted to avoid being influenced. Will wanted to avoid having that rush, heartache. the sickness, the heartache of loss come back to him. Yeah, and he like just got Alice, used to it. Like Alice. Like Alice had experienced. He didn't want to experience that. So he's keeping a secret of where his heart is. That makes me think it's important where his heart is. Yep. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's his heart. Well, I mean, more than just, oh, it's back in his shed or, or something like that. You wouldn't just let something like that lay around. Well, and does a he hiding have a place. Home? His home was in Storybrooke. Oh. And he'd said back, uh, I think in the pilot episode, he said... He wished he was back at home watching the telly or the television. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that was in Storybrooke. That's where the white rabbit found him was in Storybrooke. So I think that's what he considers home now is Storybrooke because certainly not Wonderland, not the Enchanted Forest because they have no tellies there. So I wonder if his heart is back in Storybrooke. I wonder if he ended up in Storybrooke because of the curse or because he traveled there after the curse was broken, just because that could affect where his heart is. If he was cursed, he might have no idea where his heart is anymore. Well, Lizard did say that he left. Okay. So he probably went there by choice. Maybe. Or maybe that's what they thought, and the curse took him somehow. Why would the curse take him? The curse only took people that Regina wanted taken. And who was one of Regina's closest friends? Maleficent. Oh, and yeah, that's... Who stole the looking glass from Maleficent? Will. Yeah, so maybe Maleficent <laughs> at some point told Regina, oh, this guy stole this magic mirror I had. You know, because they were the closest things to friends that he, they could have, more like frenemies. But maybe then just by knowing that, Regina thought, eh, I'll bring him too. I Also, we don't know of anybody that the curse did affect in other worlds, who was not originally from Enchanted Forest, do we? Like I was Hatter thinking is that from too. Enchanted Forest. Well, the Doctor, uh, not Doctor Who. <laughs> As we record this, by the way, it's the fiftieth <laughs> anniversary of Doctor Who, and that's why Jeremy couldn't be here with us in the podcast because he's out celebrating the fiftieth anniversary. The Doctor came and took him. <laughs> yeah, but. Uh, Dr. Frankenstein yeah, that's true. was from A Land Without Color. However, he did come to Enchanted Forest for a little time. That so is yeah, maybe true. the idea of everyone who was cursed came to Enchanted Forest or was from Enchanted Forest. 
I just looked up Borrow Grove again, or Borrow Grove again, because I had looked it up spelled the way I just spelled it in my head based on what I heard. And Borrow Grove Gove is actually mentioned in the Jabberwocky poem in Alice's Adventures in Wonderland and the Whoa. sequel Through the Looking Glass as well. Nice. So that is, is it described? Um, the paragraph that's here is, I can't even read it because it's a nonsense poem, but it's, Twas brilling and ye slitting toes. It just says, All mimsy were ye borrow goes, and ye mum wraths out grave. And the carpenter said when Alice came in, something about, doesn't it feel make you feel mimsy? Huh. Oh, that's funny. That is yeah, it's funny. actually repeated twice in the poem that all mimsy were the borrow grove. That's cool. That and cool. so we'll have a link to that as well as the carpenter and the walrus poem that you can check out both of these in the show notes at wonderlandpodcast.com slash nine. I didn't see any momraths rats there though. Any what, sorry? Momraths. In borrow. In borrow grove. Because <laughs> didn't you read just now that, that um, the momraths were in. Oh, yes. And actually, according to this, Humpty Dumpty talks about Borrow Gove as a thin, shabby-looking bird with feathers sticking out all around. (laughs) (laughs) So they might have just done that to kind of tie it in. Yeah, they don't necessarily have to give us every single creature and every single character Mm -hmm. from the Wonderland stories that we know from Lewis Carroll's writing. But I like that they're giving us little nods to stories or connections here or there making us do a little bit of this extra research and discovering, oh, hey, that ties in with this poem or this little storyline that happened. Mm. Yes. The last thing that I loved seeing was that Jafar's castle is actually floating. Yeah. (laughs) It's a floating island. I liked that. I liked seeing Cyrus jump off of it. And yet another jumping character who survives. Uh Uh-huh. We're assuming he survives. <laughs> he has to survive. Yeah. But right before he jumped, the queen said something we've heard before. She said that it's a harsh reality that sometimes love is not enough. And it was the king who told her that. Oh, nice. That's still that it, it is the king who told her that and it, but it still sounds very much like something Cora would say. It Just, all comes back to Cora. It does. <laughs> And it's going to keep coming back to Cora until it doesn't. <laughs> Where do you think we're going to go from here in the next episode of Once Upon a Time in Wonderland? Do you think they'll keep us waiting to see if how Cyrus, how he did when he jumped? <laughs> I mean, we know he's got to live, but do you think they'll keep us waiting and not show us? Yeah, they'll show us and move that story along. But you know there are probably going to be more obstacles between, maybe one more set of obstacles between Alice and Cyrus being together. And then after that, I think the story might take a direction of their battles that they'll have to face together in order to get their freedom. Because there are, we don't know a definite number, but we know that this is supposed to be somewhere around 20 or 22 episodes for this story of Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. And there, there's this very short break right now, just a one week break for Thanksgiving. And then we have a, just a couple more episodes after that, I believe. And then a very long break. There's actually no date yet for the return of Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. So 
I think that when we hit this short story arc in the next couple episodes, they'll bring Cyrus and Alice back together. And then the next batch of episodes as they finish the season will be about the two of them together in their their battles that they'll have to face. Like it's in defeating Jafar and the Queen? Right. I think they've, they've been moving it along very quickly. Like they haven't left, left us hanging ever in this series for very long, have they? Not in Wonderland, but there hasn't been really a break in Wonderland. I, there are certain things here and there where we get a shocker, like one of those episodes a few episodes ago when we discovered that Anastasia was the one who became Red Queen. Yeah, yeah that, that was quite a shocker. <laughs> but it wasn't a big cliffhanger, really. It was just like the, oh my gosh, at the end of the episode. And then they, yeah, connect the dots in the following episodes. I think we might find out more about Will's heart next episode, just because they tend to foreshadow very blatantly kind of what direction they're going with. Um, so I remember one of the podcasts I said, I really hope we find out who Anastasia is because they've mentioned like five different things that make us wonder who she is. And then the very next episode was that reveal. Yeah. Yeah. I think we'll get that answer very soon mm -hmm. and probably part of someone's flashback. I don't know who's, but this is where you come in. We'd love to have your feedback on the future episodes of Once Upon a Time, and you can send your feedback to us by emailing feedback at wonderlandpodcast.com. When you email us, please put the episode title that you're writing about in the subject line of the email. You can also pick up the phone any time of the day and leave a voicemail at 903-231-2221 or go to the website wonderlandpodcast.com and send a voice message right from the website through your computer or iOS device. And if you'd like to comment on anything that we discussed in this episode, then please go to the show notes at wonderlandpodcast.com slash nine. As usual, we'll have some spoilers after the music from Hunter, which could just prove all of our theories completely wrong. I'm always nervous because I don't listen to the spoilers. I try to stay <laughs> spoiler free. But you, if you stick around for the spoilers after the music, then you can feel free to laugh at us if our theories are completely wrong and that's revealed in some of the spoilers that Hunter shares with us. But we'd love for you to connect with us on Twitter. So please follow Wonder Podcast on Twitter to get updates from Wonderland Podcast. And uh, what's Aaron, what's the next date after the break? Uh, so people can be prepared based on when they're listening to us. We do actually have a date for this. What is the date? Yes, according to IMDb, March 6th, 2014 is the return date after winter hiatus. So we have an episode December 5th, December 12th, and then a break until March 6th. Okay. So yeah, quite a long break and we'll have some special surprises for you along the way. <laughs> but you can also follow each of us on Twitter. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. Follow me on Twitter at the Ramen Noodle. I'm Jenny, and you can follow me at twitter.com slash JennySmith. And I'm Erin, and you can follow me on Twitter at Aaron J. Cruz. And also follow our other co-host, Jeremy, on Twitter at Phlegon, P-H-L-E-G-O-N. Please leave ratings and reviews on iTunes at wonderlandpodcast.com slash iTunes. And until next time, don't worry about the man with the saw and the scary grin. And thanks for listening.
Wonderland Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Hi, Wonders. Hunter Hathaway here with your spoilers for Wonderland Podcast. Season 1, Episode 7, Bad Blood, is directed by Sirian Donnelly and written by Jane Epsonson. This episode will air on December 5th. According to the ABC official press release, when Alice discovers that her father is in Wonderland, they begin healing their broken relationship, which leads to her having to make a difficult decision. In flashback, a young Jafar is emotionally distraught after his mother dies and we find out what drove him to become the unforgiving villain he is today. Assignment X held an interview with Sophie Lowe. While there was nothing in the way of any spoilers in the interview, she did have this to say when asked, What do you think it is about Alice in Wonderland that makes it such an attractive subject matter for a film and television makers in seemingly every generation? She says, I think Alice in Wonderland has such a sense of adventure and I think that everyone now and again makes up their own Wonderland in their head to escape. I think that's why Wonderland's so exciting. Toronto Sun posted an interview with Emma Rigby about her as the Red Queen. She says, What the writers really wanted to show is how she became the Red Queen. She wasn't born a queen, so how did she get to that position? And now the motivation is Alice has something that the Red Queen wants, and throughout the series, we will explore to what lengths the Red Queen is willing to go. Episode 8 now has a title, Home, will air on December 12th. Rumors spread like wildfires when someone told someone that Wonderland will be canceled as of January due to poor ratings. But Adam Horowitz has stated that it is not true. He says, we are filming all the episodes ordered and plan to air them all. Well, that's all I have for you today. You can follow me on Twitter at Bit of Pixie Dust. Until next time. <laughs>